Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. It's my great honor to bring God's Word to you today. To learn about the significant work God has allowed us to participate in around the world in equipping evangelists, disciple makers, and church planters, go to traincpe.org. And to find out more about our church in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We are considering Romans chapter 5, verses 13 through 17. We have seen how Adam's sin has proliferated out to a world where everyone is now a sinner. We have considered that God's laws only clarify an accounting of the sin that is already in the world, in the life of every individual. Today, as the counting of sin adds up, as it multiplies more and more, we turn to consider God's gracious response. Against the evident math of sin, God brings to us a free gift, and with the gift, a new and miraculous math of grace. The depth of their sinfulness and their condition, and that's why it was given. So here's an application for you. We have to be ready to bring people before God's law. But like a good doctor, we have to have a good bedside manner. We have to be gentle and kind and gracious as we're breaking in the news to them, but we have to help them understand. We don't serve a person by ignoring or generalizing their sins. At some point in time, we have to turn even the attention to not only how sin entered through Adam and through one person all this misery can come in the world, but then we have to redirect the misery to their own actions and their own sins. Their own need for that to be addressed specifically, taken care of. We have to bring them into that account. Uh, Paul, Paul talks about that. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. And whether Paul is talking about his conversion experience or whether Paul is talking about something that God was doing in order to bring him deeper and deeper into the power of the salvation, the sanctifying work is something we'll address later. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the fact that he had considered himself, in a sense, beyond sin or without sin, until he came to the law and he understood the commandment that thou shalt not covet. Actually, what Paul says is, he says, I would not have known sin if it had not been by the law when he read that one law. Now, what Paul is saying is not, I thought I was perfect and without sin. That there was no, his conscience was still working like any other man's conscience. But he's saying, in a sense, the reality of the depth, the pervasiveness, the fullness, bringing it into a crisp view so I can see all of its lines in 2020 vision and I can see the accounting of it all. I didn't know it until I read this commandment that said, thou shalt not covet. At that moment, he said, my life was filled with all manner of coveting. He says, the law slew me, it basically put me to death. I realized how sinful I was. That's what Paul is saying here. Sin was still active in the world, he says, even though it was not reckoned or accounted for fully without the statement of the law. But sin was still reigning, and it was still producing its effect. So you see, in verses 13 and 14, Paul is teaching that without the law, sin is still happening, and death is still reigning, and with the law, it only increases our awareness of its exceeding sinfulness. Actually, verse 20 will tell us that, if you go on to say that. The law is given in order to increase our sense of sinfulness. He's saying that the law makes sin all the clearer, but even without the law, we sin, and sin reigns, and sin is active, and all its influences are being expressed, even death, so that sin is universal and death is universal. And this account of sin is just piling up on the world, but remember, it also piles up on your life. 
It's piling up on our life. The man who knows not Christ, the person who has not come to his salvation, it's just accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. And at some point in time, he has to recognize the profound spiritual bankruptcy of his own sin that's weighing upon his soul. The Adam's sin is now proliferating in his own life, and he is, in a sense, proliferating his own actions and sending it out and paying it forward in a greater multiplying depth around the world. There is of an accounting of the lines and upon lines upon lines of offenses that are adding up that he'll never be able to pay. And the disease of his sin is progressing to such an extent that he'll never be able to overcome it. There's no good eating habits he'll be able to provide or jogging he can do to ward off or drive back the disease that now is infecting and weighing in upon every cell of his being. Adam's sin is crashing into your personal account and you now face an unpayable debt. This is the type that Adam is in the negative and it's against this Paul now introduces us the positive type of Jesus Christ. So verses 15 through 17 again, just the negative here. Adam's one sin in verse 15 brings, by one man's offense, many dies, it says. Verse 16, because of Adam's sin, what follows is judgment and condemnation that comes upon Adam, but it comes upon all. Verse 17, because of Adam's sin, death is now ruling over us. By one man's offense, it says, death reigned, death is ruling. That's the math of Adam's sin proliferating. That's the math of your sin that proliferates out from your life. But now there's a new math that Paul is introducing. It's the math of grace that comes to us who believe in Jesus Christ, the antitype. So go back to verse 15 here. And here we see, in the place of dying, many dying, he says, this new math is much more the grace of God and the gift of grace by one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. That is, in the place of all this death and this misery, there is now a movement and a current of all of the benefits, all the rolling anthem benefits of blessing and grace and life that comes poured on upon those who believe in Jesus Christ that is rolling in to such an extent that one day it, it just sweeps away the tide of death. And even though you might be recording now signs of the progress that you're getting older and older and coming closer and closer to the end of your life, if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're coming closer and closer to an explosion of life and glory and benefit and blessing that is unimaginable, that is getting ready to pour in upon you. But even now, I hope you're tasting it because Paul says that we stand and we exalt in the access we have into the full graces of our salvation. This against the math of Adam's proliferation of sin comes a new math of all this grace pouring against us. And then verse 16, it says this, By Adam's one sin came or followed condemnation, but at the same time, he says to us, basically now, in response to that, now where there are many people sinning and there are many sinners and it's universal across the world, God comes and he reverses the math because against all these many people who are sinning, God brings one free gift. This is what follows all the many sins. This doesn't even, this isn't good math. This is God's math. This is the math of grace. God brings one free gift and that free gift is the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ laid down in the place of our sins. You remember when Jesus Christ went to the cross at the last meal, one of the last things he said before they went out to the garden was that the Father may be glorified as the Father gives me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let's go from here. Those were his last words. As he's making, I am going to complete the life of obedience that I've come to live 
And the final act, the full, complete act of my obedience is I'm going out to die for you. To suffer for the multitude of your sins. Adam's one sin led to a proliferation of sin to many. And then God comes and sees the many sin and what should follow is more and more judgment. And instead, God tabulates it all and says, no, what this calls for is one complete, perfect, righteous act of sacrifice for those sins. For you. That's what's promised here. And then verse 17, where death has reigned like a malevolent king, ruling over us. Now we're told in verse 17 this, for by one man's offense death reigned through one much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Against all the ruling of death that we see around us, this passage says not only has Christ come to complete this one righteous act to make me right with God in the basis of my justification, but through that act now, I reign. I reign with Christ. I rule with Him. The Bible says one day we're going to judge the earth. It says of believers, one day we're going to judge angels. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. Even now we're being promised that we reign and we rule in this life. This life filled with decay, our poise and our attitude in the midst of it is we reign through Jesus Christ. My wife and I decided as we were going out and looking at all the beauty up and down the Oregon coast, which is overwhelming, that we were just surveying our inheritance. The meek shall inherit the earth. This is what God is preparing for us and those who love Him. We're going to reign and rule with Him, but oh, that changes the way I should encounter life. I should encounter life and the challenges and the difficulties and the contradiction as a prince of God, as a princess, as one who's going to rule as a king with our God Jesus Christ and reign with Him upon the earth. I'm not going to believe Satan's lies. I'm not going to believe his enticements. He tried to entice the Lord Jesus in the temptation of the wilderness. He bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Let the Lord Jesus know. One day out of his obedience to the Father, he would be established and this would all be given to him to reign upon and I'm going to be a co-heir with him. And so Satan comes and says, just give your life for this thing and that thing and just devote yourself to that pleasure. And if you'll just bow down to me in this thing, I'll give you that pleasure and I'll give you this. And we answer, don't tempt the Lord your God. He has promised that I'll reign with him and I'll inherit all good, great, and glorious things, perfect, purified for my enjoyment. I'm going to live like a king. I'm going to live like one who's going to inherit all things through Jesus Christ. That's the emphasis. The emphasis today is, and what we've been talking about is all these things that have been brought to you. There's more to be said about this. I want to talk about it next week. And so we'll maybe take these last remaining thoughts to introduce what we want to talk about last week. But this, this has to be personalized. That's what faith does. It believes God for that great thing. And that great thing for my life. That promise. I rest in it. I secure myself in it. It keeps me going. It overcomes the difficulties and challenges. It gives me a message to give to the world and a message that overcomes the false messaging that this world gives to me. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank you and praise you. Jesus, you've said that we would not eat of this 
this table with us again until we, we, you ate it again with us in the kingdom. And that kingdom is coming, and it's arriving, and it's on its way. But even now, we've been left to partake of this meal to remind ourselves that even now, that kingdom is advancing. There are provisions for us even here. There is a taste, a foretaste of heaven today, of heaven below. There's a promise in all the things that we experience in our life. An earnest, you might say, in this appetizer of the fullness of blessing that will one day so much more break out upon us that it will overwhelm Overwhelm in its testimony the misery that is breaking out and has broke out for millennia upon this earth. How we praise you and thank you for that. We thank you for the victory that is ours through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ. Help us to live as victors. Help us to claim it and live in it, to believe it, to take hold of it. We ask in Jesus' name. Now, before we sign off from this broadcast, I want to remind you of a ministry website that we've developed called TestYourTestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches that do not have a true born-again relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, and so they face the prospect of His rejection at the judgment seat on the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop a site where persons can apply the command of 2 Corinthians 13.5 to test themselves to see if they're in the faith to see if Christ is dwelling in them by faith. So please go to that site, testyourtestimony.com, and prayerfully consider someone else you can share this with. For now, I look forward to our next time together partaking of the bread of life. Till then, may God bless you.